Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. Welcome to another episode of Industry Interviews in the Seattle House Mafia studio. I'm Phil, your host, and our guest today just performed with the Shameless Crew at Decked Out, uh, also at Fractured at High Dive, uh, and for People Music recently at the Monkey Loft. She has releases on United Souls Music, Underscore, One Seven Audio, Late Night Munchies, and Gigabeat Recordings, as well as collaborations with Melton Wax and Hector Rodriguez. She actually hosts some current nights too. There's Steam at the Orient Express. Sempa, which is the third Wednesday at substations. We'll talk about that in a second. And then, as I mentioned before, Fractured, which is in Fremont. Last, is it last Wednesday? Last Wednesday. Last Wednesday. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. It's really hard to keep track of all I the know. shit that you're doing. <laughs> I kind of do a lot of <laughs> And she is also the label manager for Underscore Recordings. Please welcome Mindy Christman, a.k.a. Miss Mindy. How are you? I'm amazing. <laughs> did I hit all the points? There was a lot. I yeah. was, I didn't want to skip anything, but I was like, the first thing that came to mind was, God damn, how did, that's why I asked you if you had a day job, because <laughs> there's a lot going on with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, first, I, I always like to start off with a little story about how we ended up connecting. So, you know, Sherman Crawford, mm-hmm. I don't know how well you know him, buddy of mine, I just really got to know him this year. Um, sort of at the tail end of COVID and he came in, did an interview and a mix. And then I was talking to him about it after the fact, you know, we were just kind of, you know, deloading on, on the whole experience. And he's like, Hey man, I don't want to overstep, but you know who you should really have in there is Miss Mindy. And I go, dude, I actually reached out to her yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny that, that how those synchronicities happen. And I, I think it was, I think it was a few different things. I saw you at the the Bounce Brunch, also saw you at Monkey, and just I've been seeing your name everywhere, plus you have a ton of things in the works. And his words were, legit, she is making shit happen. <laughs> that, was, that was Sherman's <laughs> words, exactly. So, Well, thank you, Sherman. Yes. I appreciate you. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, you're putting out music, you're, you're playing with a bunch of different crews, you're running your own nights. Um, you're collaborating. I guess that's part of the music production thing, but and you also have a day job. I just learned. So how how are you balancing all that right now? Uh, lots of calendars, calendar, calendar, calendar. Yeah. Um, it's all about intentional time where you put that time. Um, I've also really learned how to automate uh, through tools like Facebook Suite and stuff like that. So a lot of my promotional things, um, I sit down on a Sunday. Uh, for two hours and I plan the whole week out and they're all auto posts because if I had to live on social media, uh, I, I mean, I do have to live on social media, but if I have to do all those posts, um, like running my nights and, and promoting myself, um, 
like I realized that when I came out of the pandemic, it was actually very detrimental to my mental health. So I had just to, the social thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to find ways to automate and to, um, so if I sit down, it also helps me not be so redundant. Right. You know, so when I'm looking at everything I'm promoting and all the pages I'm promoting or me as an artist as well, I can mix up the content in a way that instead of just sharing a flyer each time, for instance, I try to be more creative and I can see everything with a bird's eye um, when I sit down and automate it all. So you're, I mean, you're essentially having to do what we all have to do in our day jobs at some point is figure out how to scale, right? How Mm -hmm. to scale one person doing a bunch of different things with a bunch of different responsibilities. And yeah, you've, yeah, I think that's one of the hardest things I've found with doing the more creative stuff is taking that same philosophy of scaling myself and being able to do it effectively, especially with social media, because social media can be super annoying. And delegating too. So it's yeah. like, and, and having boundaries too. So like, you know, I, I really have to put some boundaries in place with some of the people that I work with where I'm not necessarily doing all the work, but I'm helping create the work and delegating someone to do the work. Um, so I have crews that help me in the things that I'm running monthlies on. So Got it's it. not just me by myself doing right, those right. things. Um, I'm just either a leader or a part of the jog wheel that is helping make it happen. Yeah. Um, so delegating is super important and being honest with your capacity, yeah. um, is really the only way that you'll make it. <laughs> well, and honest with the people around you. I mean, at some point, like, uh, you know, my crew, Paul and Sangdo, like we have to be very direct with each other and feelings sometimes take a back seat when, when I mean, yeah. we just gotta, we just gotta get through it. Cause there's other things like there's, there's more important things than our feelings in the moment. Sometimes, yeah. And so. you have to communicate that yeah. consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So that's very cool. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that. Just looking at the, the vast, the vast array of things you're involved with, like how, how you, cause I, I put myself in your shoes and I was like, <laughs> Thank you. Especially like throwing nights too, because yeah. throwing, I mean, you tell me if I'm, if I'm my impression out of, out of like producing DJing and actually throwing events, I think probably the, my thought is the most groundwork and the most stress is probably throwing, throwing an event. Correct. Yeah. Cause you got to get people there. Yeah. And, and plus side is, is when you're out there doing all those other things anyway, they all kind of feed each other. Right. Right. And so it's like, my involvement with all these different things only helps my involvement with all these things, if that makes sense. Yeah. So if I'm out there being a DJ, I'm automatically promoting myself uh, in all of those things. When I'm asked to come play a break set, I'm automatically uh, promoting Fractured. And I'll bring promotional materials when I go do those things as well, like most of my business cards just have like a little QR code on them. They're little business cards. Um, and I like have those to hand out as yeah. I'm at these events that I'm going to be at anyways, cause I'm either playing or promoting or so it all feeds into each other a little bit. Was there ever a moment where you were self-conscious about doing it that way? Like promoting yourself, like playing an event, but also promoting your night, but also promoting yourself, but also promoting your latest release. You know what I mean? I mean, I've been, doing this for almost 20 years okay so um i definitely try to be careful sometimes when i'm at other people's events but if i'm there promoting and i'm playing a break set like 
I'm going to promote fractured. Like that's just the way that it is. Right. Um, But if I'm playing like a house music event, I try my best to, and that's another reason why I'm involved in multiple things. It's because, Oh, okay. I'm going to promote underscore tonight because underscore is more house music focused. It's not a breakbeat thing. Right. Um, So I, I switch focuses and, and, and promote underscore instead. Um, But, I don't necessarily think I've been self-conscious about it just because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, There is a fine line between like advocating for yourself and like, I don't know. I think I've always contained the Vanessa and the, uh, but still being humble, you know, when people give me compliments or whatever, like I I don't try not to get a big head about it or, or think, you know, I'm not going to go around and tell everyone I'm the shit or whatever, but I may tell my best friend that, (laughs) you know, because obviously you need somebody to gas you up. Right. Um, But staying humble is super important because, you know, that, yeah. I love to hear about somebody's origin story. I think it's so interesting. Even if it doesn't feel like an interesting origin story, it's always interesting to me to, to find out like, how did you get in dance music? Are you, are you, first of all, are you from Seattle? I'm actually from Wyoming. Okay. Casper, Wyoming. Wow. Okay. In the middle of nowhere. Um, I, so in 2002, um, my boyfriend at the time, he, he wanted to be the DJ. He got a belt driven, you remember those Gemini belt driven sure turntables that were like in a clear colored casing Mm -hmm. and they all came in a preset pack with a little two channel mixer yeah yeah so he got that like set right and a local dj uh who we were friends with because we were getting into electronic music around that time it was 17 years old 16 17 right um and keep in mind i'm in wyoming so there's not like a lot of us necessarily doing that we really had to make our own events like and this is vinyl only at this point mm -hmm, yeah yeah and uh so anyways the local dj had given us a crate of records i see um and I, I started messing around with them, you know, just playing around with them or whatever. And then I started to get a little bit better than my boyfriend at the time. And he didn't like it. He didn't. He was like, this is supposed to be my thing. And I was like, OK, like I'm, I'm not attached to it. It's fine. You know, well, then we broke up. And then I was like, you know. I think I want to learn how to do this. So I went to the local DJ that gave us the records who ended up being my boyfriend later. Shocking. <laughs> know, How did right? I know that was a, oh, that was gonna uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he was a great teacher. He, right, right. he really supported me and teaching me and he taught me um, a lot. He taught me so much about sound. I actually ended up moving to Seattle with him. Okay. Um, we were together like five or six years and, uh, and uh, yeah. So he just gave me, uh, I started with UK hard house. So, you know, tidy tracks, nucleus. Yep, yep. Um, and I started with that genre. And uh, yeah, he just gave me like four records and he was like, play these until you 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 can play them, until you can beat match them. Um, and then yeah, and then I moved to Washington when I was 19, uh, pretty early in my life. Uh, for multiple reasons, um, a lot of it was there wasn't really a lot for the arts in Wyoming, and I've always just considered myself very artistic in a lot of different ways, especially musically, and there just wasn't really opportunity, um, and, you know, to get away from drugs, because drugs are bad. 
Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so musically, were you involved with other other kinds of music or playing an instrument or a band or yeah so um i have a pretty deep musical background with my parents um my mom was actually a piano singer in a bar Oh, okay that's how she met my dad wow um and so she was a trained you know piano player and my sister could play piano by ear I could never learn the piano, and I'm kind of bummed now that I'm producing totally. music that I didn't learn how to play the piano. Um, but um, but I did like trumpet, band. Um, I was in choir, acapella, um, and then I played the guitar in high school. Um, so musically, I've always been like my mom loves disco. Like my disco roots come from my mom, um, and then she became like the local karaoke host. In Wyoming. Later in life, yeah. I gotcha, okay. That was her, like, side gig. Yeah. She, that wasn't her day job. That was, like, on the weekends. Right. She would do that. Um, yeah, so I would, like, enter competitions and, like, do lots of karaoke. Related. Like, karaoke competitions. <laughs> Literally, you enter karaoke. I just want to make sure we capture this. Yes. So <laughs> that karaoke was a karaoke queen in Casper, Wyoming, yeah. yes? Yeah. Okay, I just... Perfect. You didn't give me that when it came to your intro <laughs> bullet. So, see, I started digging now. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, musically, I have a lot of musical background. Right. And so, Seattle was change, obviously, and, you know, getting away from maybe old cliques and yeah. drugs. But also, there was probably the opportunity for seeing more availability around the arts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, my, uh, the partner I moved here with, uh, he was going to audio production school uh, at Seattle Art Institute. He really hit a home run with that dude. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And he taught me, like, and he used, and on the side, he, as his side job, he would run sound at, like, um, the art fair or like different yeah, gigs yeah. like that. Uh, so I was just around it all the time. And we started a production company pretty early into uh, us moving here. Okay. Um, and we actually lived up in Bellingham first. Um, Ferndale to be exact. Yep. And then we moved down to Bellingham and then we moved down to Seattle. Uh, but we started Skunky Beats up in uh, Bellingham, which was our first production company. Um, and then we eventually moved down to Seattle and, um, yeah, so we just were always throwing parties, always throwing events. And were these like in venues or were these in the woods? Were these kind of a little bit of both? Okay. Uh, there, there was a couple venues that we did in Bellingham, uh, here in Seattle, we used to throw parties at the orb, the old rainier brewery yep. up on the top. Uh, so it had like a really cool warehouse feel because yeah. it was like some some outdoors and then some indoors. Um, yeah. Some really, really good events there. Uh, we also did like the King Cat uh, back in the day. Sherman and I were reminiscing yeah. about the King Cat and, and how like fucking amazing yeah. that place was. So yeah. And then Motor. Okay. Yeah. Motor was like one of the last venues. That's that, in Capitol Hill. Down. down you no, walked, Motor is oh, actually no, in Soto, uh, right next to I'm the Krispy Kreme. It, it. It, okay. It, it rebranded as the Comeback recently. Okay. And that's gone now too. But So they're not doing things there anymore. No. Interesting. And so you're doing one-offs, basically one-offs there. Or were you guys doing nights as well? Did you we have were like doing like quarterly events. So okay. we were doing more, and they were more raves. Right. Uh, multiple genres, multiple stages. Um, and we would try to do all ages or 18 and up. And this was like before the laws changed right. with all ages parties. Were you bringing in headliners from, from okay. Yeah. So like, I think Lazy Rich was one of the ones we brought in. 
I don't know if you remember Palmer and Puka from I PDX. Seeing the name. I remember seeing the name. They were like breakbeats. Um, AK-1200. Yep. Um, I'm trying to remember who No, else. I know. I'm making and, you go and, way deep. Yeah, and uh, keep in mind, Skunky Beats also had like a whole section of hardcore I'm not into hardcore, uh, but my buddy Doughboy is like, he has loved happy hardcore and hardcore since the seventh grade. And he moved here with us and, uh, and he, and he's still um, doing that. Yeah. He's part of the Seattle uh, hardcore Very cool. uh, with Ian e K and uh, all of them and Jimmy Cricket. Gotcha. Yeah. You know, I watch, uh, I went down, <laughs> it's funny you say that. I went down like a, vintage like 90s hardcore party wormhole on youtube <laughs> and they look like they have so much fun yeah but they're like living in a different world from like friday evening to like monday morning then they go to work <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah 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 the uk scene was crazy and i'm sure there was some of that here too but yeah it's just yeah that was never been my music of my, my genre of choice but like props to them for how hard they go right <laughs> yeah stomping hella fast <laughs> yeah yeah okay so that makes sense so you started you started this stuff in seattle you it, it sounds like you were and you're having some success would you say you were having some success? yeah we had yeah. some pretty big events and what year are we talking uh we're talking 2008 or yeah no 2005 to like 2007 I'd say. Got it. Um, and then about 2008, um, I ended up breaking up with that person and, you know, and then I kind of went my own way and then um, I started doing more clubs. I was 21 right. at that point. Uh, so um, I started doing more clubs. So that was when it switched to like uh, residencies at Knock Knock, uh, Last Supper Club, yep. Contour, yep. Um, and part of, you know... Um, broken grooves and all sorts of different events and there was a lot of spots then too i you know because there was still trinity i think merchants cafe might have still been there there was like all these yeah all these it was places. robust there was yes yeah, robust yeah. is the right word because i think i missed i was raving you know late 90s early 2000s and i think i started i'm a little bit older than you then i started going to the clubs a little bit sooner so i missed sort of that segment of the raves that you guys were doing but i was I was then starting to do, you know, clubs myself and right. going out to clubs. So, but it was, there's so much going on at that time. I'm, yeah. It's fun to talk to somebody because I've had a lot of people who are a little bit more new school besides like Sherman and John Lee and Terry and those guys, yeah. but like, you know, Rachel and Amy, they're they They didn't get to see like that, that 2007, 2010, like what? it was cracking like yeah. here in Seattle. Yeah. And you could go see different stuff. You could see a break show. Yeah. There was like, sometimes there's two rooms with and down I, tempo in the front. And I know? think DB Tuesdays was at the War Room. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. then uh, Onset was at Temple Billiards. Yep. Yeah. So it's like history runs deep. And I actually feel super blessed to have lived here this long. Yeah. Um, and really gotten a taste of the history of here in Seattle. Um, yeah. And last supper club was such a fun place. Oh yeah. It was nights. one of my favorite venues. Yeah. 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 
And contour, of course, because trusty old contour. Yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. I <laughs> know. Yeah, I don't. And the, the the sad part, like, I'd love to talk to somebody at some point who's got the history of how I know somebody was COVID, but a lot of this stuff closed down before COVID happened. Yeah. But yeah. There's just so much drama and history. And yeah. And I think contour was subject to the COVID thing because yeah. they were open before yeah. COVID hit. Mm hmm. So, but you weren't producing music at this point. No, nope, I've only been producing music about four years or so. Um, really started really full time when the pandemic hit, which is pretty common. Uh, I've realized in some of uh, like Amy really hit it hard when the pandemic hit because yeah. it was like, oh, I don't have all these bookings. I don't have all this DJing. Like I have no excuse. I already had started to take lessons before um covid hit hit so talk to me about taking lessons yeah so um i started learning from jason melton okay so i ended up living with him uh, as his roommate and um i asked for one-on-one -on -one lessons he was also um hosting what is now sempa uh which is now what i run um we used to have a class at our house. Um, so I started taking fundamentals from him um, before the pandemic Just hit. Just like production fundamentals. Yeah, just production fundamentals. Okay. So we started making a track together. Um, and then actually John Lee gave me my first opportunity to remix one of his tracks for Late Night Munchies. Nice. I think it was called Lost Away, I think it was called. It's been a little while. Yeah. Um, so... I took that opportunity, obviously, even though I was still novice, but I took the opportunity with Jason. Sure. I was like, I want to take the opportunity, but I was like, can it be Jason and I that do the remix? Because I'm not quite, I was still super green. Right. Um, so we did a remix together and it was a really good um, lesson on, you know, taking someone's stems and, and remixing a track of theirs. Um, and then from there, I just, kind of took off with it and just kind of started making my own things and i don't make just one genre yeah i have several different genres i'm a multi-genre dj yep. as well as uh i even have things that i wouldn't even play necessarily like i have like a chill step track uh, on my band camp called dreamscape i was actually going to ask how close because i know you play multi-genre mm -hmm. how close you're production kind of maps to the genre that the genres that you play yeah i'm trying to still kind of find my uh voice as an artist um but i have the most opportunity in breakbeats okay um I, I but i've made a lot of house music i also there's so many house music labels in seattle it's like um the opportunities like right there for me i just have to produce the content right um you know and like i was just on uniting souls summer compilation and i hit number three on the funky house chart uh which uh was the first time i've even charted that high which is amazing uh but as far as like networking goes and and scale of not just Seattle. Um, I've made a lot of connections in the breakbeat realm. Like, why, why do you think that is? Is it just houses more common, more popular? Or is there a bunch of different reasons? Well, running fractured, you know, yeah, like that's, sure. um, and there are, um, is one or two females, femme people. Yeah. Um, in that realm at all, really. Um, 
that are charting. There's a little bit more now and there's probably people that I don't even know about. Um, but it's, there's just so much underrepresentation of femme and um, in those areas that it's like, and I've already made all the networking. Like I know who runs the labels because I've brought them here to play music for me. Right. Um, and, the, and in those conversations, I take them to dinner and I pick their brain and I make sure, you know, I make sure to make that connection. So when I am at a point where I'm making enough break beats, right. uh, they're actually really difficult to make. <laughs> oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. You find it harder than I, house yeah. music. House music's a much easier for me to do. Uh, there's also like, What's difficult about breakbeats is um, how do I make this sound intriguing without overproducing it? How do I, it, it's really in the sound design. Okay, well, how do I balance the, the sub and the mids and the high? Yeah. Like there's um, the intricacies that go into, and breakbeats is like very energetic. And there's portions of it that aren't. Some of it are, is dark and dirty, which is kind of a little more where I'm at anyway. Um, but as far as where I'm at as a producer, it takes me way longer to make a breaks track that I would actually want to play. Right. You know, I've made some breaks tracks, but I'm, some of them I don't want to play. You, you answered it a little bit, but I actually was quizzing Sherman a little bit about breakbeat because he's a bit of a breaks head too. He right? sure so is. What is it? What is it about breakbeat that just that gets you like why do you like breakbeat or, or is there is there like something you know or is it just fall under that you just like electronic music and definitely yeah different flavors? i um it's definitely the syncopation it's like the you know um it's just more intriguing to me it's more um i'm trying to kind of put me on the spot here. no I'm no like how well, uh, what else do I like about it? You know, like house is, I don't want to call house basic. Totally. You can. But I don't want it. Because <laughs> there's, there's so many so forms many. of it. Oh, absolutely. But, and I mean, if you really think about it, breaks also has the same formula up underneath, right? Yeah. Like house is a, like right. it has a very particular sure. underneath, but so does breaks. Um, So it's like. I don't know. It just, I like kind of dark and grimy, uh, bassy music period yeah. uh, in my body and in my soul. Um, and I've, I've been playing breaks probably 15 of the years that yeah. I've been playing music. Um, I've gone through a lot of different genres. <laughs> <laughs> is breaks like the one that's to, that you just keep anchoring back to though? Yeah. And a lot of it probably has to do with my roots in hip hop. That makes sense. Yeah, you know, I love hip hop music. I also like gangster rap. It is very misogynistic, <laughs> but I'm from the '90s, so it's like I know. I you know, it's like it's hard to hate that shit because we grew up with it, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So you know, I I tend to have, you know, depending on the party, I try to watch who I'm playing for. But if I play for like Slut Garden, they like it dirty and raunchy and grimy. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> No, I and it was a tough question. In fairness yeah. to you, and and one of the things that when Sherman and I were talking about was breaks are interesting because they can either be used to build tension, yeah, or they can be used to completely blow the fucking roof off a place. Like yeah. there, there's some if you use them right, like even in a house or a techno set, like yeah, you can just destroy it. Yeah, with, with, and it's unexpected. Yes. It's um, I don't know. I just find them very intriguing yeah. and and um. 
And there's still like emotion behind it and they're super energetic and you know like i didn't really necessarily get on the dubstep bandwagon but that was kind of when breaks supposedly died was when dubstep you know became a thing uh but it's basically a super 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 slow down breakbeat anyway (laughs) right (laughs) totally no i love that you love breaks that was actually what when I first heard, uh, actually uh, at a rave, I heard Donald pl- going back and forth between like breaks and techno, breaks and house, whatever you want to call it. it yeah. was, we just called it yeah. techno, whatever back then. Um, that was when I fell in love with Breakbeat. And that was the f- those were the first records I was buying were Breakbeat. Yeah. You know? Donald Glob's actually on Fractured Nation as one of our residents. <laughs> He's such a monster. Yeah. Uh, I do have a cool story, though. Yeah, please. Uh, I booked EJ Dan. Nice. To come play breaks for my birthday. I love um, it. pre-pandemic yeah and we were at monkey loft and because we used to have a bi-monthly at monkey loft on a friday and that would be where i would bring my headliners uh because i used to have a sunday night at creme work and that was a weekly okay and that's not always where you like i couldn't always bring my headliners there so i right. also did a bi-monthly at monkey loft anyway uh dan came and you know dan he's so stoic he like doesn't smile really he's just stoic yeah that's just who he is uh so he came to play breaks and <laughs> i've never seen him smile so much first of all in a set and i was standing behind him and he turns around and he's like am i doing good <laughs> it's not, that's i was like dan of course you're doing good yeah and i was like look look anyway it was super yeah. funny isn't it amazing those artists that you that you look up to or that you've 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 brought in because they're a big name and they have that sort of like they still need to be reaffirmed sometimes which is cool like that means they actually give a shit about what they're doing it's the ones that don't need that i think that i worry about because they're just like this is a job i'm getting five figures yeah yeah dan is a lovely human yeah yeah. he's so humble yeah yeah no he seems like a cool guy i met him long ago and i actually think at some point i like opened for him uh, at Medusa when he was playing, when they used to bring in headliners for house sets. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a very cool guy. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a cool story. And so, you know Donald as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think he's here this weekend, actually. I think he's, isn't he yeah. playing in the forest somewhere? Or yeah. under a bridge. It's under, I think there's a gig under a bridge somewhere. Or yeah. Something you know, those renegades. On. Yeah. Under that first avenue. I mean, I don't know where it's at. I don't know where it's at either. <laughs> but I know I saw pictures and they might have stopped by and there was hundreds of kids there. It was a pretty good party, It's honestly. not a secret anymore, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully we didn't let the cat out there. It will be done before this airs, so it will be fine. Uh, it's totally fine. <laughs> they pretty much throw events under that bridge uh, a lot now. It used How to does be, that happen? Do you, do you, you know? You just got to first come, first serve. You got to show up. And now people are starting to collaborate a little bit. I went under there uh, recently, and there were three stages under there. I know. Yeah, and if you park enough cars in between, or if you put the stages back to back, like this and point them this way then they won't bleed yeah it's very weird and they're literally bringing sound the neighbors don't care just well, it's an industrial up. area yeah so it, there is no neighbors there's no neighbors there's no neighbors but still you know some somebody would complain at some point but no that's so cool yeah but that's the shit i love right yeah and i think you coming from the rave scene and being involved for 20 years you probably have 
felt those special moments oh with, yeah with these like this party should not be happening now and this music should not be this good and there should not be this many people here yeah and we are killing it right now right? <laughs> yeah. yeah i love that <laughs> yeah yeah very cool so um i feel like we kind of covered your history and 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 we're sort of bleeding into now where you are today like what's going on and we go back to the original thing which I was just like a little bit dizzy trying to trying to figure out how many things you're involved with and looking <laughs> at your different nights and, and and organizing that. So one of the questions I had, um, pure, purely selfishly, is out of like DJing, producing, and throwing events, like do, do you love one kid more than the other? Well, that's a great question. So right now um, I – am having a hard time with some balance of it all yeah. um, because I kind of need to choose between I'm trying to switch my mentality from a DJ focused mentality to a musician and artists focused mentality uh, which means less DJ bookings and and right now it's summertime so I'm kind of just letting it fly I'm just kind of like yeah. I'll make I'll make music when I can um, I want to stay somewhat relevant and not sure. say no to everything, you know. I've also got super choosy and picky a little bit about what what nights I'm involved in and what I'm doing and I'm still targeting certain ones that I haven't played before and stuff like that, but at the end of the day I'm not just saying yes to every everything that's coming through. Um cuz I really do want to focus more on producing. Um yeah. because that's just my next like that's just my next step you know like i've been djing for so long uh, and i love djing it's a great expression and and i won't stop doing that but um it's time to think a little bit broader and bigger than just seattle um yeah yeah and that requires me to make music and that requires me to make time to make music right yeah so that's definitely uh is a personally i love that part of it um but they all serve a different purpose right so uh promoting events and hosting events obviously i love to create a vibe for people to come and enjoy themselves and sure. and, and let loose and 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 be one with music um i also like to give opportunities so fracture definitely prides i pride myself in giving new new djs or djs that haven't played breaks before uh so i do kind of a mixture um where i like i have my showstopper so i have the one person that is either going to bring the people or is a little more popular or whatnot um i have one debut usually in the beginning and then some residents on there that's so cool though. yeah so i try to yeah. um like my my next show actually for fractured is um on the 23rd and uh, it's going to be a drum and bass night because i do drum and bass quarterly um and three of the people haven't ever played fractured before so it's like giving finding those new people to give opportunities to so it kind of serves that purpose for me yeah i think there's um there's a misconception um and i've seen and i've actually been on the other side of this too where you feel like a crew has a venue lockdown or a night lockdown. They're only letting their favorites in and, and they're yeah. not. And I think it's really special. And I think there's enough talent here in Seattle where you can do what you're doing, where you're yeah. reaching out. Like you're doing it in a very balanced, smart way. Yeah. Yeah. And it was way easier when I had a weekly. Yeah. Say. Oh, for sure. When I had a weekly, it was like way easier to give more people opportunities. Totally. So it's a little harder almost to have to be pickier. Yeah. 
Um, cause you only have four slots a month that you're trying to promote. And it's like, who, who deserves those? Like, who am I to decide that? You but know? you also have to have a successful night and there's bar staff and there's yeah. a venue and there's, they're, they're, they're trusting in you too, which is what I always thought was super stressful about, you know, putting on events, which I've never really got into. It, yeah. But. Yeah. Well, and Fracture just went through that actually, you know, like we, um, had to exit Crimwork, um, and we were there for, six years okay you know for doing a monthly there for six years. we were doing a weekly um for i'd say four of those years right. and then pandemic and then like we when we came back i tried to do the weekly for like eight months and i was like i'm going to die <laughs> it was too much i was like this is way too much work uh, I had a really hard time grasping everything coming out of the pandemic of yeah. like what my responsibilities are, what my passions are, because everything shifted, right? So For it's sure. like, where, where, what space do I belong in? So I decided not to do a weekly anymore, and I switched it to a monthly. Um, and then we um, had to venue shop. Um, so I was that a decision or was it, I, we don't need to get into it if there's drama or anything, but I, I, I hear these, these rattlings about certain venues and you know, Oh, it was a decision. Um, yes. Yeah. I won't go into too many detail cause I, I don't want to, you know, talk badly or sure, anything. Sure. Um, but it's, you know, it was just time. It was yeah. time. Uh, we weren't welcome anymore in the way we wanted to be and logistical things were getting messed up. And I was just like, you know, I'm, um yeah yeah i'm gonna go yeah um so so then i uh hit up the high dive uh because like reflect was there um and they were starting to just do more homegrown electronic music there um so you know and did, th did they have a, like a management shift or something because i remember specifically the high dive being very live music focused so they still are yeah um and they also own nectar so yes. nectar and high dive are owned by the same people okay um so um they have been pr prominently bands and yeah. and 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 they still do a lot of bands totally. uh but i've noticed that um even nectar started doing more electronic music like I think future awesome. primitive yep. and and you know uh all those different things started to kind of I mean, you go see farina the last time i saw farina i think was at nectar right yeah. playing mushroom jazz yeah yeah for sure so i think taking that knowledge and information they have the high dive where they can make it a little more local focused yeah um um, and I haven't been able to bring a, a headliner there yet or anything because I have a Wednesday and it's a little tough to do right. Wednesday. Uh, but we're, we're starting to regrow again, but it's like being displaced and have to go somewhere else. It's like I have to remind people and re-promote. And um, we started at the end of the winter time, right before spring. Right. Um, so... We had some good shows and we didn't have, we had some not so good shows where no one showed up, yep. you know, and um, yeah, so we're kind of always at risk of potentially not being able to stay if we can't get the people there. Right. So that is stressful. Yeah. It is stressful. But at the end of the day, I can only do the best that I can to promote totally. the sound and, and have my crew promote and, um, you know. And it's primarily breakbeat besides the drum and bass. The Yeah, so anything broken. Anything so broken. we do breaks, drum and bass, and UK Garage. Yeah, and I, I think that it for whoever's listening hasn't explored like 
things broken, like just go give it a give it a chance because yeah. you get hooked. I mean, yeah. there's there's a different intensity, there's a different energy. There's yeah. you know, it, it may not be your like core thing, but there's some there's some magic right in breakbeat. I yeah. always thought so. And one of my favorite things is having house prominent DJs come oh, yeah. and explore what breakbeats means to them yep. you know and i don't always ask for a mix from everybody i just ask them that they send right. me some tracks on like okay well what style of breaks like there's just as many subgenres of breaks as there is house you for know sure. so it's like what kind of vibe are you bringing yeah. to the table yeah, so yeah. i can book around it and and whatnot no i mean that's also sounds very intel and, and intentional and very smart too the way you think about um actually mapping the styles you know, yeah that makes sense for the night mm-hmm. and i don't know if everybody thinks about it that deeply i mean you you'd probably know better than me event throwing but so, sometimes shit feels a little bit scattered yeah when you, yeah <laughs> when you go to a house. well it's all about communication with the artist yeah. you know and um that also in within that there's so many professional djs here in seattle so i recently the people music lineup yep we got added to the loft and um simpo was before me and then goner was after me right and uh all of us just communicated yeah hey what styles are you bringing yeah what do you know what you're gonna end on um even though like they don't we don't have to cater to each other but the reason why we did that and i'm glad that we did it made that night seamless in the genre and we went through all sorts of genres but with a fluidity, probably that wouldn't have been there if you guys wouldn't have yeah. communicated. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So yeah. it's like that happens naturally sometimes where it's like so many people are multi-genre in Seattle now that that we kind of have to just hit up that DJ before us and just be like, hey, what's your vibe? Yep. So we as professionals cannot make our vibe too jarring you know, work into yeah. it. You got to work into it. <laughs> no, I'm with, I agree with you. Like it can be a little bit abrasive yeah. sometimes when you hear that heart. It's like, yeah. it's like a gear shift. Sometimes you're like, Whoa, okay. Yeah. New DJ's on, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so no. And I think it's honestly, I think it's fun for a DJ to be able to come off another DJ's vibe, um, in a way that feels cohesive and challenging and yeah. then get into their own shit without it. Yeah, without it just being like a, a, a punch. You know? Right, right. Yeah. And not every situation's like that. No. You just have to come prepared with an arsenal. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I totally agree. So outside of all this music stuff that you do, um, well, two, two, two questions. What do you what do you listen to at home when nobody's watching you, when you're not performing, when you're not when you're not playing, like what's your go-to? Is it gangster rap? Be honest. Sometimes. Me too. Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes that's my mood. Um, I definitely have like um I really have been into like uh like African hip hop. So like Samba the Great okay. is a great example. Uh um it, I would say it's a little more on the chiller side, but vibey, um, FKJ, like that. Um, you know who that is? No. Um, I just act like I know who he, he is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he's like a loop guy okay. that has a bunch of different instruments. Um, Got it. Yeah. So uh, he has some pretty good music, um, like neo soul or funk, oh, yeah. uh, acid jazz. Yep. Um, 
if and then like at work i'll listen to like lo-fi or chill step or something with no words uh that's just instrumental uh because i can't listen to words uh when i'm working because it sometimes distracts me um and then you know i all that's also a good time for me to like listen to other people's mixes or like if there's people that are sending me stuff i'll i'll try to listen to it at work um when i have a time where i'm going to be sitting it at my desk for an hour or whatnot gotcha yeah is if you is it fair to say like for the folks that are listening like is that one of the ways you operate and discover new talent as people send you mixes? Is that a pretty common practice? Is that um, it's still a pretty common and practice. And you're pretty open to it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I am definitely open to it. Um, I may not always give feedback on the thing or whatnot, yeah. but um, yeah, I love when people send me mixes um, of what they're doing and whether or not they want to be booked, booked it fractured or booked somewhere, you know, just sometimes they'll just send me mixes to just ask yeah. me what I think. Um, I also have quite a few artists uh, because I'm involved with Simpa um, that just send me tracks for feedback. Got it. Um, outside of class, so yeah, and I don't want to skip the Simpa thing because I think that's super important. It is. Um, super so important. let's talk about that yeah. for a second. So what like like I'm a two year old. What exactly is it? Uh, so Simpa is short for Seattle Electronic Music Producer Association. Okay, it's a mouthful, uh, but. It originally was a class that started in Jason Melton's basement. Um, and then it kind of grew when we all moved in together. Uh, we were hosting classes at our house uh, weekly. And it was very like intimate. And uh, Amy actually started there, um, her career there. So like what was cool is we could take fun the people that needed to learn fundamentals. They could go upstairs and learn fundamentals with Jason on a on. a a smaller group and then the more experienced people would stay downstairs and like jam together or we would like talk about something a little more um intricate or experienced um so we could separate the two unfortunately we don't have that now but um and then the pandemic hit and we did take it online we did a lot of online things so uh we, we had three roommates we were all good at av and stuff like that so we uh took our feedback sessions online so people still had something to look forward to to get feedback from us as well as in the chat and like all that um and then when um and then jason uh decided to be a digital nomad okay. and leave the country uh good job bro good job uh mission accomplished yeah Yeah. uh goals goals um and so he kind of was just like hey like i'm i'm gonna be leaving the country so i was like okay so either this dies this dies with jason uh or i i just take the baton and just run with it so you take your full plate and you push like mm-hmm. uh, make a little space and yeah now you're but it actually has become a top tier of what's important Sweet. to me yeah because um so we started going um doing a monthly at timber room okay. um they were allowing us to do it there and basically what we do is we meet once a month and we'll have someone either come do a producer showcase or or one of the moderators will teach something for an hour and then we would do track feedback uh, but you get to listen to your track on the loud sound system that is made for a club which nobody gets to do if they're producing in their in their bedroom right? yeah, yeah yeah and and like 
they may not be DJs. Yeah. They may not have the opportunity to go to a sound check where like I'm going to be sound checking twice this month where I'm just going to put it on the sound system and I can sound check my own stuff with my own stuff, right? Like right. I have that access, but a lot of people don't have access to that. Uh, and some people are shy and some people don't necessarily want to do that. Also, it's like, playing your track in the middle of a set and not knowing if it's going to sound good right. um, is intimidating, sure. you know? So it was actually, that's what people ended up loving the most um, about it. But we also do remix contests and stuff like that. Yeah. So we work with local labels and uh, we've done a late night munchies one. We've done underscore. Um, so now we're at a uh, substation okay. uh, third Wednesdays of the month. Uh, so AC Lewis, thank you. Um, has allowed us to use his space every third Wednesday nice. and um, summer has dwindled a little bit in the class attendance, but um, fall time has been super like 20, 25 people coming, right. you know, and um, I just love the, the student aspect of, and like I've also met people and now that I have my own studio space, I can invite them over For sure. and be like, hey, you don't know fundamentals because we don't really have a fundamental area of the class. So right. I kind of try to offer my time when I can. Right. Um, and if people get on my calendar, like I'll honor that time. They just come over to my house and um, hang out for a couple hours and then I show them how to do fundamentals. So is there like how does somebody get involved? Is there a cost? Like what's what's uh, it's free? There's no cost. Just show up. Wow. Uh, we also have a private group. Um, so if you can't attend in person, that's fine. We also stream on Twitch uh, when we're doing the classes. And then the classes stay live on Twitch for 14 days. Uh, so we actually just had uh, Quadrant and Iris uh, who do drum and bass. Um, and then this month, we actually have John Lemon from Viva Recordings. I might know that guy. Yeah. John's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And he's actually going to be sponsoring the next um, remix contest. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I love, like, I love being surprised. Like I said, I'm not going to beat the dead horse about how busy you seem, but I just love hearing how much you're sort of giving back in your own way and supporting the community in your own way through these different, different avenues, whether it's listening to some random DJs mix and giving them feedback or helping DJs or non DJs make tracks and, and letting them hear like, that's pretty, pretty fucking awesome. Thanks. Yeah. No, I, I, I had no idea about some of this stuff. So this yeah. is really cool. Yeah. This is why I like to not know somebody super well when they come <laughs> in. Cause it's, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm just so surprised. That's so, that's very cool. Yeah. Well, okay. So all that, what's, what's the future look like? Like, are you on the path? I know you talked about maybe DJs and you want to go bigger on the production side, maybe national, international, but is that to facilitate more DJ and like festival type things or what, what's A the vision? A little bit of both. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I would like to have some tracks under my belt, um, to, so like next year I'm going to go to winter music conference. Hell yeah. Um, and I already have the connections there. Um, I just got to get there, you know, um, and I'd like to have some music under my belt. Uh, and I produce music with Gigabeat Re Recordings, who does like a, um, 
like a pool party during that time, yep. you know. So uh, like I've already made those connections. I just got to be like, hey, I'm going to come do the thing. Yeah. Um, I'm really trying to advocate for myself a little bit more in these bigger spaces. Um, and then I, you know, I play out of town sometimes, you know, I'm going to play in Sacramento in November um fracture related you know so it breaks yeah yeah and fracture is actually in six cities yeah i didn't know this either <laughs> yeah okay so fractured um is uh in uh la san francisco um we're actually not in six cities anymore i lied we've had a couple chapters that haven't survived right um but uh phoenix uh la san francisco seattle uh we had a portland branch we're still trying to figure out some things there and then we had originally had a vegas branch uh but um simon apex is doing um an event called movement there now which is basically breaks so we're just let you know we don't care who it is it doesn't have to be fractured we just want more break beats and more people doing break beats right because the more people that are doing break beats the bigger the network the more we can all help each other yeah. and and get more people booked so when when we bring a artist from the uk for instance um we do a fractured tour so we can get them four dates so the price is better right um and then try to get them booked elsewhere with our connections just connect it all together mm-hmm. so their trip makes sense yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome yeah oh that's very cool yeah so the so i see the expansion is there any other any other like maybe maybe big goals that you haven't shared with anybody that you want to share with us that you're looking to do um, in your future late term like what's the vision uh, my vision is like i really need to hunker down this fall and make more break beats i have a couple that are almost done um, that I just, I need to get out there. I want to be on more breakbeat labels. I really want to try to be like, I'm already this face of breaks already. Right. right? And, um, and not just breakbeats, you know, like I make house music and I still want to make house music. For sure. Uh, But as far as traveling as a DJ, um, getting booked as a DJ outside of Seattle, I feel like breaks is going to be a little bit more tangible yeah. uh, for me. Um, you know, and then I also, um, another person that you might be interested to have on your show is actually Aaron Bailey, EKB. Mm. Uh, so she, um, is working with CG agency and, um, she's really in my corner to try to get me more exposure outside of Seattle. Very cool. And um, we brought a DJ from Spain here. Um, Raul is his name. And he was he was so humble and amazing. Yeah. Um, and we booked him. We were supposed to be at Kremwork, but things happened. And we ended up at this pot shop. <laughs> <laughs> it actually ended up being a really cool Halloween sure. party. <laughs> But uh, what I liked about him is he just like showed up like I was like, hey, do you I got to go to the venue early because I had to like decorate and stuff. And it was like I had to create this venue out of nothing, you know, and he was like, no, let's go to the venue. And he was like putting up decorations and like moving ladders and like that. That just reminded me like that wholesome community thing. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, So I'm hoping to maybe go to Spain and um use that connection uh to i'm betting it will work in your favor yeah and it, yeah. it you did bring up one other thing that's funny is that i think a lot of people 
when they think of DJing. You know, the, the, maybe in the beginning, right? They, they don't understand. And that's why I was so interested in the events because there's a shit ton of work on the front end. There's a shit ton of work during the event. There's a shit ton of work. Like yeah. when that event's done and everybody's out, you just got to pack up the decks and do yeah, the, most yeah. of the time, yeah. right? Like there's a, there's a lot to that's it. It's one thing I like about clubs though. For sure. I kind of can just show up. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. can kind of just show up, tune the sound, yep. make sure people have what they need and, and yep. be an actual host and not have to worry about running around totally doing all of that stuff. That's one thing I like about that. Uh, but like there's still that fun excitedness in, yeah. in oh, I got to get a sound system here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think we should get you on the decks because, you know, I'm going to be I'm going to share a little secret that. You when you actually messaged me on on Facebook Messenger and you said, "Does it have to be house?" and I said, "No, get fucking weird." Like, <laughs> no, th- like yes, Seattle House Mafia and yes, we yeah, love house yeah. music, but like, no, I want to see what you want to play when you want to play it when there's no yeah, other pressure yeah. besides you just like laying it down. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, we're gonna get to that. Is there any anything else? I know you have. You're playing part of the Viva Twelve Hour at Monkey Loft, right on August nineteenth. Yep. Yep, and that's also John Lemon's John Lemon's yeah, thing, and the whole yeah. Viva crew. That's going to be a badass. Night. Yeah, and Amy's actually after me. Nice. Um, yeah, and then um, and then I also do have a release coming out on Feral One. Okay. Uh, their comp- uh, compilation on the twenty fifth of August, uh, and it is a breaks track. It's called oh, yeah. It's called Luna. Nice. Yeah. Is that a solo deal, or did you collab on that one? Uh, that one's a solo track. Oh, yeah. 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 And. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited to be on that compilation and just to have another breaks track yeah. out there. I technically only have one on a breaks label. Okay. Um, and then one that was like a remix contest right. situation. But yeah. But I have a feeling there's gonna be more. It sounds like more. Yeah, I, I have like four that are about eighty five percent done. And I don't know you well, but it seems like when you laser in your focus, uh shit kind of gets done right yeah i also don't want to release anything that i'm not like a hundred percent i mean 95 percent because we're never a hundred percent we always find something we want to fix (laughs) yeah i mean that's all i got unless you got anything else um no i think i think that's it i appreciate coming in yeah i appreciate you asking me and of course um yeah yeah, no, thank you for coming. Thank you for taking the time. I know you got a busy schedule, so it was great to have you here. Great to get to meet you. Well, I, I met you, but actually get to know you, which is what I really like. So Yeah. Let's cut you loose. Coming loose. All right. Seattle House Mafia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.